for a moment. Worship the Lord. If you are going to a class, you can go ahead and be dismissed to that class. But for the rest of us, let's gather in here. Let's worship the Lord. Oh God, we exalt you. We praise you and we lift you up. You're amazing. You're so wonderful, Lord. We just worship you and we give you all. We give you all the praise. Oh God, you are are the first and the last. You are the beginning and the end. You are the Alpha and the Omega, Lord. You are the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We just lift you up in your house, in your sanctuary, and you are holy, God. Your train fills the temple, Lord. You are magnificent. You are our Redeemer. You are our Savior. You are the mighty God in Christ. You are God our Savior. You are wonderful. You are holy God. You are great and great to be praised. We just lift you up, Jesus. It is a wonderful privilege and opportunity to have Brother and Sister Ritter and their family. And looking forward to all that the Lord is to do tonight. We became friends years ago. He, I was a newly elected, scared to death Sunday school that was over a junior and 225 children to uh, take responsibility over and over our dorm. I think I hear the next year, if I'm not mistaken. Did a great job and, and did that in class the world was in uh, uh, I remember that we had warned those kids out so much that I was 120 kids that were looking up at me. At the end of that night, the first night, they was like they were a, a stampede in their dorms. They didn't wait to get in bed. We put way too much on their schedule. Uh, but but it, it, it was good times. And then he told me, I figured somebody else said he wasn't going to be able to do that anymore. And I was, I was very happy. But the Air Force and our country for assisting missions and worked in Athens. He appointed as full And my brother, you your wife, and I. It's great to have your mother with us as well. She's a neighbor. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be in Hinesville tonight. I like what I feel in the house already. You know, uh, this is going to be a wonderful service because it's already been saturated and prayed. Y'all like me by the time we leave. That'll help anyway. <laughs> Anything that you saturate in prayer is going to work out. In fact, it's going to succeed. And so I know already tonight, not because of who we are or because of who you are, even for that matter, but because we've come together and we've already started this place outright. Thank you, Mama Joy. We have saturated this place in prayer, the service of prayer we've given to the Lord. And because of that, I know that God is ready to do great things, that God is a prayer answering God. He's already done, He's already prepared things ahead of time. We're just stepping in to receive what God has been that we're doing now for some time. I'm grateful for that. I want to say thank you, um, Pastor Crutchfield, for that, that lovely introduction. I did. Thank you for the invitation to be here. Uh, this is actually our first time here in this building. I feel like I've been to, uh, to Hinesville before as a teenager. Our first time in this building. Um, I grew up from southeast Georgia. My mom here is from Blackshear. So I grew up in Blackshear, Waycross, and down folks in almost Florida. Amen. So uh, it's good to be home. It's good to be here in Hinesville, uh, if you would like. I want to bring, go ahead and bring my wife up at this time and we're going to sing a little bit 
So we've been working in uh, West Africa, and um, West Africa, much of West Africa, not all, of course. I got to be careful because we have some West Africans here tonight. Uh, not a lot of West Africa speaks French, right, Mom? There's a lot of French being spoken in West Africa. Oh, she left already. The lady from Sierra Leone. And uh, so there's, there are a handful of countries, three or four, that speak English there in West Africa, but several of them, about 15, speak French. In fact, we've Somali, been in this um, Now we're headed to the nation of Chad, and I'll talk a little bit about Chad in a moment, but it's also French-speaking as well as Arabic. I'm saying that because we're going to sing in French a little bit. Um, and uh, we speak French, we've got French, teach in French, and of course sing in French. The song that we'll sing to you tonight is very, um, I haven't heard the song until we show up there in Mali. And uh, the song talks about um, the Lord being Lord, Jesus being Lord even in the grave. And uh, when I first heard the song, I remember really thinking about it. I mean, it just entered deeply into my heart because the message is so profound. It's a, It talks about something that we've heard all of our lives, if you've been in church all of your life, but it says that even in the grave, the grave, we, we discovered that even the grave could not hold Jesus captive. Even in the grave, Jesus is the Lord. In other words, if Jesus Christ could give his life up himself from the dead, amen? song says that even in the grave he proved that the Lord, 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 Lord he was truly Lord. And so what is implied here is if that he can conquer death and prove himself Lord in the grave, that he's also Lord in your situation. He's Lord in depression. He is Lord in suffering. He's Lord in financial difficulty. Amen. And he's Lord in the grave. Lord everywhere in the good times and the bad times. So we will sing it a little bit in French and then we'll switch it to, uh, to English and uh, go from there. Song tonight. I love that song. Again, that revelation that 
the idea we just celebrated Easter, right? We celebrated the Lord's resurrection. But I remember when I first heard that song, thinking of the fact that the, the revelation that he was able to, you know, he, no one took his life. Right. Right. Okay. And he gave his life and was killed and died, truly died, was truly buried. But then he raised himself back up again. <laughs>
Chad's Muslim population. It's about two-thirds Muslim, almost 70% of the country uh, are Muslim. The, the government is a, it has a Muslim government. Actually, it's a pretty strict, conservative Muslim government uh, there in Chad. That's not unique to Africa. Actually, about 40% of Africa is Muslim. 40% of Africans, about 40% is Muslim. But Chad has a particularly conservative version of Islam in their country. Um, it's very similar even to Sudan and some of these more very strict Muslim cultures um, in Africa. And that at times makes it uh, sort of dangerous, frankly, even to do Christian, of course, to do Christian ministry. It's something we're going to have to be very careful about doing, something that we're going to have to really follow the Holy Ghost and use wisdom at this. You're bringing that witness to people maybe who speak uh, out of a different culture, people who have another background than you have. And Jesus wants the glory of those people. I don't care how different they are from you. I don't care how, 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 where they've come from, what neighborhood they're living in, what they smell like. I'm telling you, Jesus died on the cross for them. He opened the door wide for them. And we ought to be a part of this prophecy and bringing the good news so that they can sing with us, rejoice with us for eternity. Oh, he wants them singing the song of the redeemed as well as you and I. Can you hear it? Can you can you imagine what this day will be like around the throne of God? People of every color, people looking all kinds of ways, people sounding all kinds of ways. Hallelujah! Singing the song of the redeemed to the same one true, only living God. Praise God. 99, the, the, in, within Chad, it's a, it is a very unreached nation. It is very unreached by the gospel. There are other uh, Trinitarian Christian groups there, but among the uh, majority ethnicities that are there, the Shua Arabs and the Bagara people, for example, they make up over 20% of the population. We're talking about millions, millions of people. And if you look up the Shua Arab and the Bagara, if you look up these ethnic groups, the Joshua Project gives statistics on how unreached any particular nation or group of people is. And, and these Chadian people, these Shua Arabs and these Bagara, are not, over 99% unreached by any version of the gospel still. That's kind of hard for Americans, I think, often to imagine that there can be such large numbers of people that still don't know who Jesus is, that still have been unreached by any version of the gospel. And yet that's the reality still in many places of the world. In America, we're so evangelized, even someone who doesn't follow the truth or someone who doesn't go to church still usually knows something or they know someone that knows something. Right? But in many places of the world, it's not this way. In Chad, still for the majority, it's not this way. So we have to go. And we have to bring the witness to them. We have to show them the open door. Jesus is that door, and he's open to them the same as he has us. I want to show you a video of this.
this time. And this video is going to, it's a Muslim, African Muslim man in this video. And in the video, he, he begins to explain some of the plight of Muslims in general. Um, and, and this video I'm giving to you to show you the severity of why we must go to these groups. Why we must go and, and reach to these African Muslims. I'm going to, after you can direct your attention here, if we can get this going, and then I'll finish up after. Thank you. 
I hope I'm a good Muslim, for someday I will be judged by Allah. I'm fated to go to heaven or to hell, but I cannot know which. It's a terrible thing not to know if my life of following the rules of Islam will be good enough. I try hard, I say the Shahada, I do the prayers, I give to the poor, I fast, but is it enough to earn Allah's mercy? I cannot know until it is too late.
as God and begin to call on him, he can save you, it says. But here's the issue in verse 14. This is the problem that Chadians are facing, that many African Muslims are facing. How, though, shall they call on him whom they have not believed? You see, he could do it. He's able if they begin to call on him, but how will they ever do that? If they've not believed in him, and how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? Many of these people are simply not calling on the Lord because they don't know who he is. They've never heard of him. Of course, they're not believing. And then a solution is given in the bottom of verse 14. It's a question, but it really is a solution to the problem. The problem is that they're not calling on him because they don't believe and they're not believing because they're not hearing. No one is, is reaching them. No one is going. They are bringing this gospel for various reasons, but then the verse turns into a solution. How shall they hear without a preacher? There is hope. If we can reach them with preaching and teaching, amen, the word preacher is simply a public crier. It's not a licensed person. It's not a full-time professional minister, the word here means someone who is willing to publicly declare something that they know. How will they hear it without a preacher? And then verse 15 says, and how could they preach except they be sent? Paul, in this case, as a missionary, is speaking in the context of, 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 of a missionary. And he's saying they could hear it if, if we would go and reach them with it. But the church needs to get behind and send these people out. The preachers, missionaries must be sent out. Paul himself was sent out by the church in Antioch and we find in the book of Acts. Also, later on in Philippians, we discover that the church of Philippi was supporting and sending him out as well. And then he went and planted a church in Ephesus and we have a book of Ephesians because of that. And he went and planted a church in Galatia. We read Galatians because of that church. And he planted a church there in, in, in Laodicea. We know about them in the book of Revelations and on and on. But you see, as the Apostle Paul went and Barnabas and, and Silas went as missionaries and planted churches, they had local churches behind them sending them out with prayers and with financial support, frankly. And as he planted these churches, they were planting them together. He could not do what he was doing without the local church. And the local church could not reach without him going. Amen. The saying goes that some people will go by giving, that others will give by going. But you see, together we get it done and it requires both sides of that. And so we're here today because we want to show you that this gospel is going worldwide. That Jesus, this same gospel right here that has saved us, is saving people all over the world. It's an international gospel because he's an international God. It works in every language. It works in every language. It works in every culture. This is not a cultural thing. Hallelujah. It is working and it will work. Hallelujah. If we will get behind it and we will take it. So we're asking you today.
today at the local church. We're asking you if you can get behind us and support us financially. We need that and we would love that and we would appreciate that. We have a table out there with things for sale. Everything on that table is going to go to our project funds to buy plane tickets and shipping. But also I want to point out to you we have prayer cards out on that table. And I hope that today everybody will stop by the table and get one. These are absolutely free and we have plenty of them. On the front of this card is our photo, on the back is a map of where Chad is, and then there are specific prayer needs of ways that you can pray for us based on where we're going. We cannot do this without the prayers of the saints. There have been numerous times already in our missions in Africa where we've been in a situation that was a little dangerous or frustrating or a situation that was kind of impossible, and all of a sudden you just feel something come up underneath you and lift you up. And I know, I truly believe that it's the prayers of the saints in those moments that are lifting us up continually, that are holding us up. We cannot do it without your prayers. We need the local church to send us out. And we will go because Jesus deserves the glory of these people. Jesus has opened the door to these people. And we need to go and show as many to the door, point as many as we can to Jesus Christ, the one true living God who died for us all, for the sins of the whole world, the Bible says, not just ours. Ladies and gentlemen, we have what the world needs. We do. We do. And you know why? That uh, we are so privileged with what we know. A lot of it is by virtue of where we were born. That's it. You know, we America is a very evangelized nation. There's a lot of the things that I know just by virtue of where I was born. At no fault of my own. A lot of these people do not know this truth. A lot of these people do not know Jesus simply because of where they were born. Because of no fault of their own. Amen. But we're leveling that field, right? When you go into a neighborhood in this town, in this city that is is maybe not been reached yet with this apostolic faith, when you cross over to a coworker at your job that has not yet received the privilege of this apostolic gospel and this apostolic faith, you are giving them the same opportunities that you've been given. Eternal opportunities things of real value. Amen? And we're doing that just on a global scale because that's what the Lord has called us to do. We have what the world needs. You have what this city needs. And, and we have what the West Africa and Central Africa and African Muslims need. I'm talking about the words of eternal life. This Bible. This word of God. At one point, Jesus looked at his disciples because this word of God was offending people. As Jesus was speaking, there was people walking away, hurt and offended. I'm telling you, if you give yourself long enough to the word of God, it's going to offend you. At times, it's going to, it's going to say things that, that you don't like, but it's because you need to change. It's because I need to change. you got to conform to it. you got to surrender to it. Let it make you better. But at times, it's not going to feel good. And I remember one time in the gospel I was reading that Jesus was causing people to be offended by the word. And they started leaving. And he turned to Simon Peter and said, well, are y'all going to leave as well? He was talking to the twelve. And Simon said something very important that I hope will sink down into our hearts. Peter 
Peter said, where would we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. I know it hurts sometimes, but it's going to give you eternity. I know it hurts sometimes, but it's the only way to live forever with Jesus. So let it change you. Let it wash over you. Hallelujah. Let it hurt when it's got to hurt. Amen. Rejoice all the time. It's the words of eternal life. We have a revelation of who Jesus is. He's the one true living God. When we call on the name of Jesus, we know who we're calling on. He's not just a third or a half of the Godhead. He is the one true living God. That's why when I lay my hands on somebody and pray the prayer of faith for healing in the name of Jesus, I know he's going to do it because he created that body and he can heal it. Jesus is the one that created it. So he can fix what he's created. Hallelujah. Almost every Sunday in Africa, especially the nation of Benin, we were casting out devils in the church there, in the village there. Almost every Sunday. Do you know why the name of Jesus still casts out devils? Do you know why it's doing it here in Hinesville and in the work here in Hinesville? Because he made them too. Hallelujah. And they are in subjection to him. And they believe in him, the Bible says, and tremble. You gotta know who Jesus is. Oh, it's what the world needs. We got the words of eternal life. We have a revelation of Jesus Christ. We take his name on in baptism, and that means so much. The Bible says in Galatians 3 and 27, as many as been baptized into Christ have put him on. That's, that's, that happens at baptism in his name. That's not where it ends. 
things, but that's that's the entry point. Amen? You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed. Yes, believing is a part of salvation. Obviously, it's not all. You were marked in him with a seal. I'm going to finish this message by talking about the Holy Ghost, and then I'm about to give an altar call. And I'll tell you the, the altar call, the reason I'm going to give this altar call. For A, there's a group of people here perhaps that needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the very first time. If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you've never spoken with other tongues, which is the initial sign of receiving the Holy Ghost, that is available for you here today. Now, there's another group of you that also need to come to the altar, and here's where you are. If you have the Holy Ghost already, and yet there's things in your life that you're dealing with, that you're putting up with, that the Holy Ghost can deal with. See, there's a second group today. I want to remind you what you have. I want to remind you what's already inside of you that you can use today right now to take care of the devil, to take care of the pain in your body. once we believed and then we were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Ghost. So the first thing that the Holy Ghost is, it's a seal. It's a seal the Bible says. It says Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit are synonymous terms. So if you ever watched one of these movies uh, these old movies back in the day when a king would write a letter I'm talking about a seal right now when, when a king would write a letter he would fold that thing up and then maybe put a little drop of wax on there and then he would have a seal maybe in a ring or on a necklace around his neck and that seal was specific to him an image or a word or a name and he could take that seal and press it into that letter the Bible says when God fills you with the Holy Spirit, he puts his seal on you. When the king sealed something, he was putting authority on it. He was taking his authority and transferring it to whatever he sealed up. He was taking ownership that this one right here is mine.
you to begin to repent if you need to clean your heart out. If you've never repented, this is a good time for it. Just confess to the Lord, not me. Confess to the Lord your sins. Clean your heart out to Him. And then you begin to worship Him. And I believe He'll fill you with this power. Hallelujah. Let's read 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. And we're going to end when we're done. Keep on praying. Keep on praying if you've come. Now it is God who makes us, us and you stand firm in, in Christ. He anointed us, and here's the word again. He set his seal of ownership on us. He put his spirit in our heart as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The word deposit, King James Version says, the earnest of our inheritance. So the Holy Ghost, the reason you need it, and the reason you need to remember what you have, is because it is literally the spirit of heaven which God has deposited in you today. And it's for you to begin to use. It's for you to begin to spend, to deal with what you need to deal with. Everything that's going on in heaven right now, if you have the Holy Ghost, ought to be manifesting in your life because what you have is the spirit of heaven. And if it's going on there, the deposit ought to be working in you right now. Comfort. 